Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. All right, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today, we have the privilege of having Jennifer Matthews on the program. Jennifer and her husband, Kyle, are longtime mission workers, and Jennifer has a unique background in both marketplace ministry and nonprofit organizations. Welcome to the program, Jennifer. Glad to have you here. Thank you. It's an honor. You know, as I've gotten to know you over the years, it's been interesting to hear some of your backstory. And can you share a bit about yourself? I really want people to hear where you're coming from, what your your experience was, because we're going to talk about what you've done and what you're doing. But I, I think it's important for people to hear uh, origin stories, like where people come from early on, because they might see themselves in that. And that's what I hope comes out of this episode of this podcast, is that we can really see your journey. I think there's some great life learning points in here. So you've had um, experience, extensive experience overseas, and you've worked in a lot of projects, different expressions of mission work, marketplace. You've done some impactful things that most people would find hard to imagine. And, you know, I'd like our audience to hear some of your story, you know, definitely mention, you know, your Ethiopia, bunch of cool stuff. So yeah, give us a little bit of your history and uh, your story here. Sure. Um, Well, I can, I'll just give a brief, like you said, where I came from. And I grew up in a small town, um, having um, little to zero exposure um, to the international world, if you will, um, except for through ironically magazines. I mean, it sounds like a little bit of rock, but, um, (laughs) I was always fascinated with other cultures and, um, just people and, uh, traditions and how and why they do things. Uh, but anyways, I ended up going, um, graduating with a business degree and, uh, started working, uh, as a project manager for at Walmart headquarters. And that is not something I ever envisioned myself doing. And so the whole time I was, um, pretty ants, antsy, I guess I wasn't the corporate structure type. And, um, <laughs> how did that work for you? I mean, were you like when you were in college and you're, you're getting a business degree, I mean, were you thinking, man, I might land a corporate job or did you have something else in the back of your mind that was kind of incongruent with the corporate experience you ended up in? Yes. It, what I had in the back of my mind was very incongruent with the corporate I ended up in. Um, I thought I was interested. I'm interested in employment development, job creation, um, and empowerment of cultures and, uh, people, marginalized peoples through job creation. Okay. Now at the time I did not have all of that terminology in that vocabulary to describe that. Um, so I think I just ended up, you graduate, you need a job, and coming from a small town, didn't have many connections or any connections, um, in that job creation space. So I took the, took a job and, um, so you ended up at Walmart 
you end up in a yeah. corporate uh, corporate role. What were you doing in that time? Like what you, you mentioned project management, but what did that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, project management with the apparel team um, at the time, which was all based in New York City. They were all based in New York okay. City. Um, and, uh, yeah, just managing a lot of their in-store signing and, uh, printing materials. And it actually ended up being one of, so I was there for right at three years and it ended up being one of the most pivotal, um, learning experiences to date. Interesting. And it has been crucial to setting me up for success and all the other roles I've had since then. Of course, at the time though, you don't think about it like that. Right. Um, so honestly, I, I would not have the experience and some of the skill sets I have today had I not had that experience at Walmart. That's good advice for people in a way to not discount the days of small beginnings that you could say and stuff that you don't see the value in initially but you really learn from and God uses all those pieces going forward in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. I questioned it every single day. Um, and I'm not kidding. It was, I was in such a weird state. Um, but it, yes, it has been crucial to, to my development in the roles I have now. So you were in, you were in apparel, kind of that, that arena with your corporate work initially. And then how did you, you know, how did that get leveraged into Ethiopia? Because somehow you land in Ethiopia and there's a whole nother part to this story that I think is really mm-hmm. intriguing. And there's a connection there uh, with what you learned at Walmart and your corporate steps you were going through. But can you give us that part of the story? So what led to that and what did that look like in Ethiopia? Yeah, so I think I, the knowing that I was never in, intending on being in, cor- uh, in corporate, corporate America, um, there was a, again, an interest in, I needed more purpose. I don't know what the proper terminology is there, but, um, and I wanted to work in a developing country, but more specifically in job creation. Now, the way I ended up getting to Ethiopia is not through job creation at all. Um, I was doing leadership development with a nonprofit there with high school and university students. Um, which was re- which was really interesting. Which again um, was incredibly eye opening. I had never been outside of the country except for on vacation to Mexico once or twice with my family, <laughs> and that does not count um, in my book. So moving to Ethiopia for eighteen months to do that um, was a very eye opening experience. But I think uh, one of the the threads, if you will, that I keep seeing is that relationship development that Walmart prepared me for. Interesting. And so that and that that transfers regardless of where you're at. Um, and so, so are you talking about like how you do relationships in the professional world or in mm-hmm. corporate relationships, or what was that particular value point that you acquired in that time? That's a good question. I would say having to work with so many different um, personalities and skill sets, just and yes, and an array of of people, um, and having to and to be open to the to diff- the way people work differently okay. and what they bring to the table, and being able to identify that, and starting with that, starting with what people have, not what they are lacking, um, which can sometimes be. Um, I guess I would say the the viewpoint, if you're in job creation 
and uh, in developing countries, if you're coming from the West, sometimes that, that can be, oh, well, they're missing this or that. And it's like, well, actually, no, they have a lot more that you're not seeing that we need to be catalyzing on. Well, that's really profound. So you'd really developed eyes to see the potential and the capacity in people and figure out how to work with people in their strengths and not be hung up on their weaknesses, so to speak. Is that what I'm kind of hearing? It is, but I will say, I don't know at that point that I had, <laughs> I was that um, strong in that area. I would say all these years since then has definitely developed that um, in me. Sure. I, I imagine though, that uh, even when we don't know what we're going through at a time, God is highlighting and building things out in us that are really important that are, he knows are going to be needed in the future. It's like he gives you an opportunity to step into that in increments. So it sounds like this was the beginning of the increments True. for you. <laughs> so absolutely. So yes. nobody really just goes casually to Ethiopia to operate a business. So like, how did that part come on? So you're, you're, you're doing leadership development. Uh, you're there for a while. And then how do you end up involved in business? So that, yes, we're doing leadership development with a nonprofit there for 18 months. Then, um, transitioned out of that and joined another nonprofit to build again. So this, that would have been my first um, opportunity for job creation Okay, um, to join this nonprofit to build. And it was a leather handbag um, company. And um, because actually Ethiopia has a tremendous leather market um, and it does, they need help um, getting some of them need help getting to the Western market and, and in other areas, but, um, that would, that's why I transitioned out of that for, to take a very firm step towards, uh, job creation. Okay. So you, you, you planted yourself firmly in the business arena and went all after that. Mm -hmm. So what did your role or your work look like, like day to day? What did, what did that entail for you working with this? And actually, okay. That's Good question. Actually, so we spent a year in um, research and development, finding um, different suppliers of, of um, the materials that would be necessary and uh, to make the handbags, designing some handbags, um, finding um, a manufacturing facility. Um, but at the end of it all, we actually never took off. We, wow. um, yeah, we could not get the right people on the team to make, to give it a chance, a viable chance at success in Ethiopia. So, um, I certainly do not possess, um, enough of those skills, um, to, to do that. Um, so we needed some more people, um, on the team. And so, yeah, we never, we never were able to launch it. Wow. So the realities of that environment and that concept, uh, were pretty tough is what I'm hearing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very tough. I mean, and that's not even a, that's probably one of the tougher places in the world. That's not an easy startup spot or an easy business operation spot. I mean, you're dealing with your cross-cultural mm-hmm. dynamics, team, I'm team stuff. I'm sure you're dealing with corruption mm-hmm. issues, of course, in those countries and business mm-hmm. regulations. I mean, all of it, and you're doing uh, all of this. Was it largely by yourself or did you have anybody really tightly working with you on this? Uh, maybe 50, 50. I mean, yeah. I had, I had some people, um, helping me consulting, but, um, I was definitely more the, the boots on the ground trying to, you know, help stand it up. So, yeah, well, this is a, this is a, actually a kind of a classic startup 
story because a lot of things don't work right out of the gate. They're, right. <laughs> they're good concepts, they're good people and good vision, but things just oftentimes don't work the way we think they're going to work. But this has led, mm. that background experience, if I understand correctly, has led you into a really interesting um, journey with marketplace ministry and missional enterprise and thinking about that. And so, you know, why a workplace focus, I guess, is the question. Like coming out of that, it would have been easy to think, hey, I'll just go a totally different direction or I'll give up on missional anything or I'll Mm -hmm. go all in on maybe a more traditional mission expression of work and not do anything with marketplace or uh, business or this kind of focus. So why did you stick with it? Like coming out of that, what, what kept you somewhat focused towards that going forward? Yes. Um, I think, you know, when I, when you, when I hear you ask that question and I, I, take it in and all these years, it's been a very, I would say <laughs> a long, um, somewhat like I would say a battle with the Lord, uh, to understand exactly that. And, um, I'm a person who I think we all struggle and find our, find our identity and other things. Um, but for me, one of the biggest one is work is, is, is my, is my career. And so it's, and I, you know, we understand these things backwards, right? So, um, (laughs) I think it's because the Lord has, has redeemed that he is, he is constantly redeeming that. And if if I will allow him to do that, um, he has, he has Mm. done just that. And beginning of my relationship with him, I had no connection. I was seeing no connection. I had no community that was talking to me about this connection of between my faith and my work. And so um, I felt like I was very limited. Like you had to do quote professional religious work. Okay. And not, not from a bad perspective, just I did not have any other concept mentally for working out my faith in my daily life. Um, but that did not work. I can, cont- I was a square peg in a round hole for years in, in that industry, so to speak, and, um, pushed back constantly, like internally, um, within myself and between the Lord. And, um, now when you speak of, of that industry, uh, are you talking about in vocational, like Christian work or in the workplace, like a traditional like secular workplace opportunity or corporate, which one was the round peg square hole? The former, the, the profession, like the professional religious Christian Got work. It. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so it's as if where I wanted to be was the, I guess this quote, sec- secular workplace, Yeah. but as a follower of Christ, but I was, there was no connection there. And um, it's so much more to me now at the time, you know, people's like, well, here's how you share your faith at work. And it, that, that was always sticky and icky. And I didn't yeah. know, I was like, oh, that's weird. Um, so it was more to me than that, but it took me, it has taken me years, um, to even have a better footing and understanding of what that is. And it's of course, naturally still in development. Um, sure. but I think because you asked what what helped me or motivated me to pursue that, yeah. the Lord is like, 
yes, you find your identity in work, but we're going to re- we're I'm going to redeem that, and it's and I'm going to give you purpose in that, not the other way around. So oh, to speak. okay, that's interesting. You've gotten more of a developed theology of work. It sounds like at this point, but that's definitely been part of the journey. But when you first started out, did you have any kind of understanding like a theology of work, or was that something that was not really a part of your world until much later in your journey? Like, has that evolved over time? Correct. It was not a part of my world until later in my journey. I think I was looking for that. That's what I was looking for, but was not um, finding it. And, and, you know, um, I'm a person, I'm pretty open um, minded. And so clearly at that time, I don't suppose it was due time for me to find it, I suppose, but um, (laughs) correct. I did not have a theology of work at the beginning and it's taken, it's only come in the past, um, I'd say five to seven years. Wow. Okay. So what would you, you know, looking back, what would you say over this last maybe five to seven years, what have been some significant changes in your theological perspectives? Like when you think about it, what change that really mattered and maybe affected what you do or why you do it or how you do it? Like, are there a couple of key things that factored in? Yes, absolutely. I think I became very, I don't know if discontent is too strong of a word, but the whole thought that, you know, that Jesus has saved us from our sins, Mm -hmm. period. And And the story stopped there. I was very confused by that. I, um, I'm really struggled with that. I'm like, well, you know, and not to talk to so informally about it, but I'm like, okay, I get that. He saved us from our sins. So, but what's the point? What's the purpose? Why? Okay. Because if I just, if it just stops there, I'm a, I'm, you know, quote, a saved sinner, but that's it. Okay. And, and I don't, I have no direction after that, you know, if the story stops there. And so, um, I, so anyways, I just continued to seek. And, and for me, that means, um, reading books, listening to podcasts, talking to other people. Um, but I read a lot at, at the time I read a lot of different books and, um, perspectives on this and just continue to seek it out, um, and, and, and go to conferences, um, and find that, uh, the other side of the gospel is, you know, that's that redemption side. It's that redeeming side and that he, um, does that in us, but also through us. And we are, as we go to work, as we build, um, the, our lives as followers of him, we are demonstrating a different way, um, to live. We are demonstrating a different quote kingdom, if you will. Um, and so it's that demonstration side and it's that impact that that, um, redemption has on me that, that that's that's the why and the purpose um, that I continue to go forward yeah it's um, like that idea of your well the understanding that you're saved from something but you're also saved unto something you're saved yes, for exactly. something you're saved into something and then your purpose begins to emerge when you realize yes I'm saved and sanctified but now what 
now that I'm saved, now what? And really theology of work lands on that platform, so to speak, at that point really starts to hit home. Like, wow, my actual tangible work of my hands matters to God. And it's not just, Mm -hmm. my work is not just a place that I go to do something spiritual, but it is inherently spiritual. And it's inherently Mm -hmm. valuable. It's inherently kingdom. And it's inherently demonstrating and that's the, the thrilling and liberating part I really see in people grasping theology of work, a real biblical understanding of work, is it just brings through that redemption, that redeeming on a deep level to everything we do in our vocation, what we're called to do. I would, I would wonder, what would, you know, what do you say to other believers? You know, they have heart for the world, but they're firmly called to their vocation. How do you encourage them when they're wrestling with that, with now what you know after this point in your journey? You know, what would you say to them? Like, I, I love God, I'm saved, but now what? I think it's, it's a great question and one we need to be asking. And honestly, I think I would ask people to sit with that, to ask themselves this, that question in, con- in their context of their life, of their job, and sit with it be uncomfortable with it um, and and see how the Lord and the Holy Spirit guides guides in that. Um, I look back at my time at Walmart and my time at Walmart, I was not, um, oh, I was such a new baby believer, did not have any of this that I view now. And I had thought to myself, I'm like, oh man, if I could go back and do, you know, just do stuff differently. I would have, because I was in such a, um, sour mood, if you will. I mean, people didn't pick up, people didn't pick up on it, but I was certainly internally struggling. And so that impacted my productivity and uh, my quality of work and just joy. I don't, you know, there was, so, um, I think, yeah, I think I would, suggest people sitting in that and and not try to rush rush through that uncomfortable um state that you might experience um as you take that to the lord uh yeah so letting him speak to you through that experience and really help you find that the meaning of the work of your hands and what he's calling you to do if i'm hearing you correctly Yes, yes. And I would also, and again, this may not be for everyone for sure. Um, Again, I'm a big reader. And so I sought out different um, uh, books that would, I don't know, just maybe answer some of those questions or, um, and help give some structure. Um, Not to say that you agree with everything or believe everything that's being um, said, but just, I don't know, give you some structure and different ways to think about it um, because the, and be open to learning through different um, avenues or mediums. Keeping, keeping that mindset of a learner in the process, even Mm. when you don't understand what's going on absolutely and you don't understand even where you're at but you're constantly applying yourself to seek out knowledge seek out wisdom hear the input of the lord and of wise counsel in your life uh, that's good advice for people who are just getting started and they just don't know what to do you know i would i would even suggest they just do something <laughs> it's like yes. just start moving forward on seeking that out don't just uh settle for not knowing but really seek yes. it out takes a little bit of will and intentionality in there. 
Um, well, and I think too, another thing for me on that is because I have, I do, I have, I've had a lot of um, different jobs. I have, um, I would say that I desire just within me internally to master something. Right. But I have not taken that route. I have not taken that traditional route to become a, a master in, you know, I don't know, in real estate or sure. um, medicine or what law, whatever, you know, that it may be. Um, but none of it now I'm looking, I can see this and rest a little bit more uh, peacefully is that the Lord it's a, all of it is a part of that redemption process right? and every single bit of it is being used and is, is valuable to me and where I'm at today. But now when I was in it, I would not have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Hindsight's yeah. 2020, right? <laughs> so speaking of hindsight, yes. you know, yes. uh, looking back to when you were doing, um, you know, the work in Ethiopia and some of this other work you were doing, you know, as a single woman, in all of that, you know, what was that experience like? Because that's pretty intense, even uh, as an older professional, or we have a, a certain kind of support around you. But if you're trying to do this, this is pretty brave stuff and pretty uh, gutsy to step out and do this as a single woman in Ethiopia, an American. So, you know, what would you say to other women who are thinking like you were and are similarly called or gifted and they're wondering what's this really going to be like if i set out to do this you know what uh, what would what would you describe it as to them or give that what advice would you give them yes it was definitely an adventure i'll say this i was very fortunate to have a solid solid team around me um, the first 18 months I was in Ethiopia, um, doing the leadership development and, um, it was with a larger organization. So they had very set structures, um, and ground rules, mm -hmm. if you will, for how that team operates. Right. And so we were never, I was, I was always, um, paired up with another female okay. and, um, so we always did work together. And so the, the very first year and a half of me being in Ethiopia and learning a little bit of that culture and just kind of how I would survive there was with it, with team. Okay. Um, and so I would definitely advise that. I don't know, um, and, and having traveled, you know, since then and gone to another countries, I don't think I would do it alone at first because right. you just, it's, you that's, just need, that's need good advice. those other people. Yeah. You do, everything's better in team. We're designed for community and we need each other Yeah, and uh, people can be strong in our weaknesses. I mean, it's very biblical. So that's interesting to hear that. So you really started out with the team in that phase. And then when you were tackling the mm -hmm. business stuff, did you have people around you or how did that work for you as a single woman? Did most of that alone. Uh, okay. But now I didn't, um, I was stateside living stateside during that time and traveled to Ethiopia a couple of times to, okay. to, to do the uh, market research. Um, and at that point I was familiar enough and had enough local friends that right. I, I felt safe and secure and wasn't, um, it didn't bother me at all. Um, but again, had that been reversed, I, I would have never gone alone. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So those are, those are real, real questions that people wonder, I'm sure wondering what does it actually look like to be the person on the ground doing that? 
And so getting that mm-hmm. healthy experience on the front end in a healthy environment, good support, uh, kind of a good integration, that's, that's advisable, you would say, at this point. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And that community aspect has has absolutely been pivotal um, the entire time from the very beginning of my relationship with the Lord to now. It's, wow. it's been crucial. That's really good. So sometimes, you know, in reality, things don't go as planned, especially when you're working in difficult foreign environments. You know, usually it's surprising if anything does go as planned. But in retrospect, right. what were some of the like just real world, you know, reality, big challenge you face in your faced in your effort. What were the big challenges? Because a lot of people wonder, I or they think I could do this. I've got this. I'll just bop over to Ethiopia and everything will go fine. I've got this great idea. You know, I love God. I'm feeling I can do this. You know, and, and that's all fair and fine and well. But you know, what are just for people that are looking at this going? What could possibly go wrong? You know, like what are some examples of the things that you face that people may not even mm-hmm. imagine? You're, you're, say you're a missional entrepreneur and you're like, yeah, I got this. I've got this great thing. It's all going to work. So then you run into something. What does that look like? Like in Ethiopia for say? Mm-hmm. So I would say some of the more just very, very tactical, practical day-to-day business, just operating a business environment is one of the biggest challenges that um, I discussed with others because again, ours you know didn't take off, but that we discussed with others. And one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons um, large manufacturers are not there today is culturally um, they, and I don't, I just don't speak for the whole country, but um for lack of better way to do it. Um, you know, if they have a family emergency or a, um, a child is sick or they, you know, they need to run up country, so to speak, to their, for a family emergency, they can, they will leave for a week to two to three wow. weeks at a time um, and not, and not communicate to anybody. And as an employer, how do you manage that? How do you manage um, your employees and and productivity when it's handled in that way, so to speak? Right. And so um, that was a routine routine issue for some of uh, the other um, companies that I spoke with. Um, and then I, I just, but but then again, right? There's something for us to learn there too. I think um, of how important uh, family and community is. Um, yeah, culture really matters so, in all these ways. Both ways it matters. In all these. Yes, and yes, and I would say um, actually on a previous podcast you did with Miss um, Heather Lacey, she had spoke about being culturally um, trained yeah. before. And that that is just as important um, as having any any business acumen right. whatsoever, and, and it's very very accurate. I mean, because at the end of the day, um, the hope the hope the goal is um, to to support to support that culture and that community, and come alongside them as they um, rise rise up and 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 grow and become more economically. Um, sufficient. And so it's to support them not to, um, cause any more problems. 
Um, right. So we we must we need to take the time to learn the culture and uh, figure out how how they work and and do life. Well, that would certainly be a big one to run into if you get there and launch a company or a concept and you realize that your employees work at their discretion and and their employment is not the top priority in their life. That would be a culture shocker. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah see sometimes that, that, that is what it is, but it's just uh yeah, it's learning how they work because they're yeah. definitely diligent, hard workers, but it's learning how they work. Yeah. It's, that learning how they work part is really important because you're, when you're trying to, you know, see redemptive uh, work happen like this and, um, essentially nation discipling in a way, uh, your idea or your entrepreneurial concept or whatever it is can't just be the hard edges of the business model. You have to idea mm-hmm. the entire equation. You have to idea mm-hmm. the entire ecosystem and then see if you can pull this together as, mm-hmm. as a profitable company or a meaningful, impactful enterprise of some kind with all of these extraneous factors in mind that I think those of us in the West just don't even factor that in because we have such a set model of how work works. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And another another interesting um, challenge when you were asking the questions about the challenges that you may not even think of yeah. that I came up against that I was just not prepared for is um, when you're raising funding for this, for your, for your company. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of people, and again, this, this goes back to the theology of work. And I, I, when it happened, I was so taken aback um, that they said, well, are you going to be teaching, having Bible studies in your oh, yeah. <laughs> workplace? Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you've heard stories like this before. <laughs> yes. And I just kind of had this confused look on my place my face because I thought, well, no, no, I'm not. Um, we are a leather handbag facility. I'm not, you know, there's other people running in that lane and doing an incredible job. Um, but that's not, I also don't want to miscommunicate that you can only work at the facility or you can only, you know, we only serve those that believe and follow the same faith that we do. That's absolutely, Absolutely not what I wanted to communicate. And so there was funding linked to that idea of the theology of work is that you you, know, you had to have these Bible studies and re- almost require your employees to go to these Bible studies. Um, and that's just not, that was not my theology of work at the time. It's, it's still not. Um, right. And so you, you have to, you have to be ready for that. And I was yeah. not. Uh, um and just make space for that and say, okay, right. That's, that's your beliefs. It's not mine. And, you know, go on. So. Wow. The things you got to think of when you're trying to pioneer something in these places, uh, even mm. surprises coming from your own camp, so to speak from your own church or your own investors, whatever it is in the Christian world. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think allowing space and having, and ha- cause we're all right those people had an opportunity to grow and expand their theology of work that it's not just limited to, you know, okay, we're, we're, we're talking about God, we're sharing our faith that that's quote is the definition of a kingdom business right. um, b- because so much broader than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, 
<laughs> as we're looking back here, like reflectively a bit, you know, say you ran into the young college grad you, what advice would you give her before she even dove into the Walmart world? Like, what would be your advice with what you know now? What would you say to her if you had a chance to speak to her on this? Gosh, that is such a good question, Jonathan. You know, I I would I would tell her to listen to her gut mm. because um, the the gut had me going um, in the. Uh, working more with humanities, if you will, and uh, pursuing marginalized people, job creation early on from day one. Mm. But then um, I think, I don't know, I think I got scared somehow somewhere in there and that kind of took over and it's, it's taken me um, some years to, to, to listen, to listen again. Um, so your instincts that. that you were sensing at the time, like internally, you know, we express yeah. that here in the West as listening to your gut, but that feeling you have about what was happening, what you're doing, or the, you know, the thoughts about that. Um, so you're saying you would encourage the young you to actually really pay attention to that and be a little bit more yes. uh, led by that. Is that what you're here saying? Yeah, trust it, fight for it, because you, you know you're going to have tons of people come up. Everybody has an idea for the other person's life. Right. Right. Um, and, and it's not, it's not a bad thing. Um, and sometimes that can actually lead and expose you to, you know, new, wonderful, purposeful things. Um, but I would say for me, um, it would have, it would have, I would have liked to have trusted that more and fought for that more. That's good. Yeah. Cause as a believer, you know, it is a little more safe to trust your gut, so to speak, because God is speaking into your whole holistically into your being when the Holy spirit mm -hmm. is uh, influencing you and living inside of you, you're probably going to feel something. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's much safer situation to trust uh, what you're feeling, so to speak, when it's redeemed and it's submitted to the Lord. So that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Yes. And, yeah. And in your current world, you're off and on working with, uh, young professionals, you impact a lot of different people in uh, a lot of different uh, spheres of society. But say you're talking with a young professional or a college grad at this point, now knowing what you know, and you know they really want to advance the kingdom of God through their vocation. And from their, from your experience. You know, what would you tell them will help them or hurt them as they get the journey going? Like what, what's what's something that will help them like a next step or a, you know, what they're doing uh, conceptually or the direction it can be um, serious or not serious, you know, but just a practical thing of what will help you as you step forward in this journey or what could really hurt you as you step forward. Yes. The first thing that comes to mind is like-minded community. Okay. So having that will really help you not having that will could really hurt you. Um, I to, to end up as an Island alone and thinking that you're the only one out there that's, you know, believing like this, that sees, sees your job or vocation in this kingdom fr um, frame of mind, that can be a very lonely place. Yeah. Um, but when you when you find your people, so to speak, whomever that might be and whatever community looks like for you, um, 
the the energy and the wisdom and just literally I don't know how else to put it the Holy Spirit energy that comes from that it's indescribable um, to continue to motivate you in your your job in the next step um, the crazy ideas uh, right. for solutions that come about for the the different um, problems or challenges that you're trying to solve for your in the marketplace, so to speak, um, or for example, right. comes from within that, um, that community. Um, and so it's just, it's an incredible life-giving force when you have it. That's good. So you can essentially answer my question by, if you have it, it's good. If you don't, it's going to hurt you. So that's really good. Yeah. And, and, you know, for those that are say novice believers are just getting into a serious walk with the Lord, you know, community can look like a lot of different things. It doesn't, you know, they, mm-hmm. someone might hear you say that and be like, what does that mean? Like church, like what row I pick to sit in at church or like, what does that mean? You know? And so, you know, practically, um, I mean, I can think of small groups as a classic example, but do you have any other type of specific tactical advice for what that looks like for someone? Just, I think um, just kind of, being open to talk about it, posing the tough life questions, taking the risk. Honestly, it's a, it, it is a yeah. risk to pose those tough questions among just even your general friend group, mm-hmm. um, your work colleagues. And um, I think you'd be surprised if other people that are also thinking in a similar vein, but maybe aren't, you know, maybe they're also too afraid to talk about right. it, but um I think just having people that you can discuss uh, those topics with. And yes, I think as a follower of Christ, having other followers of Christ that you can discuss those hard questions with um, from time to time. And it's not, you know, I don't know, there's not a formulaic um, way to go about it, but, um, but I would definitely say, and people that are authentic in, because sometimes you can get in these groups and it's, you know, you show up, you read the Bible, you pray, you go home. And right. so not, not that that's not authentic, but there's got to be space for the tough, tough questions that uh, people are wrestling with and desiring to understand um, right. and build upon. Yeah. So really making space for authentic, meaningful community, being intentional about engaging people, even in your friend group being vulnerable, mm-hmm. taking that risk to put your ideas out there. Even if people might yes. say, hey, that's a little crazy or they don't resonate, mm-hmm. that's okay. So yeah, I hear you saying, take the risk, engage with people, make space for people and whatever that looks like. The structure is not necessarily the issue, but the willingness and the engagement, if I'm hearing you correct. Yes, yes. Show, showing up and being present in those conversations and allowing others to be as well. And two, when I... To uh, something that came to me is when I think of community, that sounds like that could give the picture of a lot of people, like right. 10, 15 people. And that's not even right. um, what I mean. It could be one person, it could sure. be two people, or it could be larger, um, just whatever that means for the individual. Yeah. The Bible says where the two or more are gathered, there he is also. So that's right. It's, it's an easy number to achieve, two or more. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. right. Well, thank you, Heather, for yeah. your input on this. I know that uh, what you shared will actually really inspire people who are considering 
missional entrepreneurial activity, marketplace ministry, or just generally wondering what do I do with my life? I'm, I'm saved unto something. What does that look like? Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it works. I, I, I really appreciate your input on this and the specifics that are going to be really helpful for people. So thanks for spending the time investing in this audience. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity, Jonathan. It's been an honor. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.